when you hear these human stories of how people became and what they cared about, like, I think that's what I want people to take away from is there's no us and them, there's just us. That's all we got. Hello, thank you so much for checking out Earth Care. I'm Sarah Christie, host of Earth Care. Thank you so much for checking out this podcast, Hitting Play, it means the world to me. This is the interview series that is 100% for the environment. We chat with climate experts, heroes, activists, entrepreneurs, and get their take on how we can help save the planet. With that being said, today we're on our way to meet Mark Brand. Mark Brand is a chef for a cause, an activist, an advocate for people and planet, entrepreneur, and now the host of Better with Mark Brand. Through his 11 businesses, Mark has been able to address and develop solutions to poverty and food insecurity, all while keeping the environment in mind. He's also a public speaker and an educator who shares a message of breaking bias and building communities. Now through his show, Better with Mark Brand, Mark interviews empowering guests who share their story with the intent of helping us build a better world together. Mark joins EarthCare to share his advice for channeling your inner activist while avoiding activist burnout, because that's a very real thing. He also talks about the connection between food insecurity and climate injustice. Plus, he shares ways that we can start helping causes that are near and dear to our hearts. Mark Brand, host of Better with Mark Brand, chef, activist, protector of people and planet. It is such a pleasure to meet you and chat with you. How are you doing? It's an honor to be here. I'm, I'm super excited to chat with you about the show and about the people we talk about and to, um, yeah, just to share. I'm honored to be here. You know, it has been such an inspiration just learning about your journey with activism. And I think uh, maybe you can relate to this. You know, the thing with social media is a couple of things there it, is it can make us feel quite small when we're trying to learn about problems because it's so easy to just be like, that's too big. My individual actions won't really do anything. But then learning about your journey and then being introduced to the guests that you have on Better with Mark Brand, you know, it it shows us that everyone's path looks different and there's room for everyone. And so I, I'm curious, what ignited your activism fire? Well, I mean, so many different things, right? I think that we, our activism fire is a lit when we're kids and I get to witness it every day in five, six, seven, up to, you know, to infinity years old come down to the neighborhood that I serve predominantly, which is the downtown east side, otherwise known as the unceded territories, the Musqueam, Snohomish, Tsleil-Waututh, Squamish nations. And, and in that neighborhood, you see kids come down and when they see injustice, they call it out. They're like, mom, why is this man? Why doesn't he, why doesn't she, why don't they have this or the other thing? That's the initial spark, right? And we all have it because empathy, we're born with it. And then what happens is one of two things, either that's fostered, and shown love, which in my case, it very much was. My family didn't have a whole lot, but they definitely had empathy by the boatload. Uh, my mother and my aunts taught me extremely well. Uh, or the other one is, that's not our problem. That's not our concern. And that gets shut off, right? And we're taught to shut it off and to suppress it. You need to go for yourself. You need to be focused on self and your very, very tight circle around you. But we can see where that's gotten us. And so I always had a very, I think, distinct opportunity and ability to convene community and bring people together through music, through food, through my venues, through my work, all, all different lenses. And my activist was lit from the second I can remember, and it never really got shut off. And so it was my duty, I felt, as I got older and started to figure out more things. I did the old classic stuff too, like, let me see how much money I can make and how many businesses I can start. 
and then realized that all I was doing was extracting. Well, I made lots of people's lives wonderful, paid tons of taxes, you know, lots of stuff happened. It wasn't a net positive, right? And so if we're not net positive right now, particularly, then we can't, we can't sleep as well as we'd like to. So I, I wanted to change that into about 10 years ago, 11 years ago now, I pivoted everything in my mindset and in our businesses to say, this is going to be in service to people, planet, purpose every day. Otherwise, I'm not doing it anymore. And in that year, I, I sold or closed six different businesses that couldn't make that pivot um, and focused very heavily on this and continue to sharpen the tip of that spear. Wow. It's, I think as adults, we just have to like talk with kids as often as we can just for, you know, kind of an ego check because they are just so innocent in that exactly what you said, they'll call it out. And, you know, you look at all the youth activists right now, they're, they're seeing a problem and going, okay, adults, why aren't you doing something about this? It shouldn't be like, it should just be black and white. Um, and much of your work is through food security and environmentalism. I know you put a lot of focus into those two worlds. Um, this is kind of a two-part question. Can you speak about the connection between the two? Yeah, of course, they're intrinsically connected. So climate change at, a, at large, 40% of the issues that we're facing right now come from the manufactured transport and the disposal of food. It simply is that. And so the way that we are producing is not sustainable. The way that we are shipping is not sustainable. The way that we are consuming, certainly not, but also what we're throwing away. So at my estimate, after doing this work all over the world for a very long time, it's 70% of what we produce goes into the garbage. 70, 70, not seven, not 17. And so they're like, that's too much. I can't imagine it. There's a couple easy steps to imagining it. What is palatable by the consumer? What a grocery store will take? what gets lost in transit and transport, what spoils, and then what happens when it goes into your fridge. We're all guilty, me included, still. This is not me pointing fingers, like I'm, I'm also here. When we are like, oh, we buy all this stuff and then it has a shelf life, it has an ability once it's, it's actually grown and given to us, or purchased by us rather. So we have to start bucking against that system entirely. And what I've done on the other side is like, well, we can't change that system overnight. The, the global food system is a massive beast and it will change and we have to change it. But in the interim, the waste that's being provided, what can we do with it? And so during the pandemic, I started a program called Waste Not What Not uh, with one of my organizations. And we've done 32 tons as of last week of recovery and offset 65,000 kilograms of carbon with two people and electric tricycle delivery from three grocery stores five days a week. Also, put out an additional almost 200,000 meals into shelters, predominantly women and children fleeing violence. Now that's from a problem. That's not, let's start a company, get it funded, have all these people come around. No, no, no. We just are paying a couple hourly folks who we love. We've got the waste already, and this is a solution. So I think when you say, going back to what you started with there, we are the solution. That's not a giant amount of work. It's creating relationships, it's really nurturing those relationships, and it's taking the skill set of the chef, which is we can make anything out of anything, that's our job. Um, and that, and also thinking about that, we do a lot of training of youth and folks who really don't have access to a lot of stuff. And so when we train folks around food sovereignty and security and teach them how to cook a lot with a little, 
Um, it's tremendously empowering. So all of those things are intrinsic, I guess is what I'm trying to say there. Poverty, the global food system, the obviously all the ecological impacts, it's, it's all one. Yeah, absolutely. And so if someone's listening to this and going, well, I didn't know that, but I want to learn more. What are, what are, do you have any suggestions for how they can dip their toes into possibly helping or doing their part to, you know, uh, learn more about those two things? Absolutely. Um, and I think the part you talk about with it being overwhelming, that's the biggest solve right there, right? Because we're inundated. The entire system, especially media wise, is just telling us what's wrong from the second we wake up to the second we go to sleep. We're in triage nonstop. So we're like, what could I possibly do? Because pair that with mental health stuff and imposter syndrome and I'm not good enough and the lens of social media on who's doing well and who isn't, put all that together. It's no wonder individuals don't think they can make a difference. It's incredible that they do, but you can. And so the three things that I ask people to look at, one is what is it that you really care about and why? And so the why part is so critical because what we care about is simple. There's probably hundreds of things that you could name right off the top of your head, right? But it's the one that really resonates a little deeper for you and you can dig into. So for me, it was poverty. Why? I'm operating a neighborhood that's one of the most poor postcode zip codes on the continent. Why? Because I was around it my whole life growing up and people not having enough and witnessing it. Why? And the, the lists go on. So when I answered those whys, I could dig in deeper and feel really resolute that this is my thing that I want to work on. Yeah. Right. So if you ask yourself that, the second is how much time do I have? I started with an hour a month. I was like, if I can take an hour a month and cook for folks and get them together, that'll feel really good for me. And up being three or four because I underestimated. But that was the time that I had against my Netflix budget of like 20 hours a month that's something I could sacrifice without giving anything up, right? I was like, okay, I can do that. And then the third piece is what's a skill I wish I could use more. So a skill I already have, one that I want to hone. And for me, it was cooking. Nobody knew me as a chef. I started cooking at nine. I was professionally cooking by 14 in a pizza shop, but I put that aside to be a businessman and to do work in all these different realms. I brought it back because I loved doing it. I knew what I wanted to do it for. And I knew how long I could do it a month. That was probably 2014, 2015. And from there, I went on to be the executive chef of the Lodot and Sea Challenge, the American Refugee Committee. I fly all over the world and cook and do what I'm passionate about because it's so much easier to show up for things that you want to do and you care about. So totally. I hope that's helpful. That is so helpful because activist burnout is such a real thing. That, and, and you, exactly, you see other people doing it and you're like, well, I have to do that too. And I have to do 10 other things. And um, just finding time and going, this is what I can dedicate right now is so incredibly helpful. Um, there are two things that you repeat and two phrases that we hear repeated in your podcast uh, that I want to dig a bit deeper into. Um, and one is leave the planet better um, that you mentioned kind of off the top of your interviews. What does that mean to you? I think that we all have a duty at this point. Um, we can no longer claim we're not aware, right? We're in a different time. You know, that we were in a different time. Now we're aware. We know that we have three critical years. And this is for our species. This isn't for the planet. The planet will be fine. And I think that's a common misconception, right? And so I'm talking about place and community and longevity. 
So if you have children, if you have nieces and nephews, if you have people you care about that are younger than 50, 60 even, you know, it's time to double down on all of the things that you know. What is your consumption like? What is your output like? What can you change in your life? Yes, things are gonna require sacrifice and sometimes even discomfort. That's gonna happen and good because the way that we are currently going, you know, that's, there's not gonna be a sustainable planet for us as a species to live on and many other species um, to live on. So I think making these choices, you know, we can all do our part and we, we know we can. It just, I gotta tell you from firsthand, knowing what it felt like before I was doing justice work and before I was helping and what it feels like afterwards, I was able to conquer my addictions. I was able to really challenge all my mental health issues and come out the other side, like focused, vibrant, because I like myself because of the work that I'm doing with my community, with people I care about. And so that's what I mean when I say that stuff is like really have a look at it. And I don't just mean recycling. That circular <laughs> economy thing just didn't work out for us. Right. There's more. Wow. Yeah. You got to feed the soul. Definitely. And the other phrase is, uh, speaking of community, when the community is unwell, we all are unwell, um, which is, I think, such a powerful statement because there are just so many layers to community. W what, what layers are you speaking to when you say that? Yeah, I'll go all the way out and woo-woo because we're just going to do that. The mycelium of the planet, all the trees talk to each other. Everything else is talking to its, each other. The fact that we think we're disconnected from that is insane. Of course, we're connected to it. We're all intrinsically connected and we're all scientifically made of stardust. Those things are just true. This isn't fairy tale. Right. You know, this is who we are. And we're like, no, my ego dictates that I am an individual and that this is what's happening. So if you take that lens consistently, period, to everything that you do, every action has a reaction. When you walk down the street and you see somebody unhoused that's struggling, you onboard that. You can pretend you don't. You can absolutely compartmentalize it with caffeine, alcohol, drugs, addiction to Netflix and everything else under the sun, but it is definitely hurting you. Mm -hmm. And so the community is literally unwell. Therefore, so are we. Mental health is at an all-time low, suicide at an all-time high. Why? Because we know that we're not okay. And so when we start to work on that stuff, everything that's interconnected feels us, it sees us, it reacts, people react, and we all get better together. Now, I feel like 10, 15 minutes just isn't enough time to talk with you, unfortunately, but you do have a wonderful podcast, uh, Better With Mark Brand, that is a lot longer where you get, like I said before we hit record, uh, has you doing a lot of soul searching. So if someone's listening for the first time, what do you want listeners to take from your conversations? I mean, the honor of the space. And I, I say this without being facetious, you know, the Gabor Mates of the world, the behind the scenes with George Strombo and Jen Arden, like those are friends who are sharing the depths of how they got to where they are in ways that haven't been shared before. And I think that it's just so incredible because it helps us understand everybody is just normal. You know, we just all are going through our paces. There's no differing us, right? We're all special, individual and beautiful, but we're all the same. And so when you hear Gabor Mate tell you that his trauma and separation and all these different things, his own personal why he's become the global foremost expert is because at three years old, 
he was essentially ripped from his mother. You're like, oh, I can relate to that part. Like I read this guy's 10 books, but I don't know. But when you hear these human stories of how people became and what they cared about, like, I think that's what I want people to take away from is there's no us and them. There's just us. That's all we got. Well, I look forward to future episodes and, uh, and, and all the soul searching it's going to make me do. It was such a pleasure to meet you and chat with you. Thank you so much for the time, Sarah. Thank you so much for listening to that episode of Earth Care. Don't forget, you can also find these full interviews on YouTube. You just have to search Sarah Christie, my name, plus Earth Care. They're the same interviews, just with some visual goodies to go along with them. You can subscribe to Earth Care here with this podcast or on YouTube or, hey, both. You do you. Plus, we can also connect on Instagram at Earth Care Show. If you have an idea for an episode, there's something that you want to learn more about or are simply just interested in taking care of our earth, let's chat.